Welcome to the Veritas Equipping Podcast, a podcast designed to provide insight, resources, and biblical wisdom. Our mission as Veritas Church is raise up mature disciples, send out everyday missionaries, glorify God. Join us as we pursue Jesus to become mature disciples and effective disciple makers for God's glory. Veritas, welcome to our equipping podcast. We are starting a new series called Into the Weird, and I have three of the weirdest guys that I know with us. Two elders, Matthew Morkin and Jeff Meyer, and our college pastor, Jordan Howe. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Yep. Doing well. Absolutely. All right. Feeling weird. Feeling weird. (laughs) Ready to get weird. (laughs) All right. The the series that we're jumping into, Into the Weird, is if you read through your, not if, when you read through your Bible and you come across things that from our vantage point, just seem odd in our society. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about angels. We're going to talk about demons. We're going to talk about spiritual warfare. So some interesting topics. But before we jump into this, guys, how's life going? Uh, Any ministry updates? Any family updates? Anything exciting happening in your world? Yeah, Ellie and I just welcomed our third son. End of January. So (laughs) Silas Graham Howell. He weighs a whopping seven pounds, 14 ounces as of yesterday, which is great. And we just got back from Salt Company Conference. Had uh, 102 students go and uh, just a great weekend sitting under the word, worshiping and kind of having this family reunion mm. across the network, which is sweet. Yeah, it's such a fun time. Before you mentioned Silas's height and weight, I was thinking in my mind, like, should I ask him? Like, would put you on the spot to know that. And you just rattled it off. Do you guys remember the size and weight of any of your kids? One of them was eight pounds and two ounces. But you don't know which one? Nope. One of them. them (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) I'm lucky to remember their names. (laughs) Jordan, that's exciting. What about you guys? Anything new in life, ministry? I'm I'm excited too. I mean, just uh, had the opportunity to go to a conference regarding some biblical counseling. So it's good to be amongst people who are heading the same direction we are, and uh, was deeply encouraged by that too. And capped it off with the th- first session of the Salt Conference. So that was tremendously exciting to see five thousand ish students and leaders in a room. Like especially the worship was yeah. powerful. And you just recently took a new role. I did. Oh my goodness! I'm excited. I'm down. I'm up north in Urbana, <laughs> and uh, I'm really excited about that, and still getting my feet under me there, yeah. and uh, meeting a lot of new people, and getting used to that. All right, it's it's weird when it's not in your context; it's somewhere else. But I've had the opportunity to preach up there more than normal the last few weeks, and any every time I go, I'm just like, this is such a sweet group of people, an amazing church. Uh, I love seeing people I don't get to see every weekend. Uh, now and just excited for what God's doing up there. Absolutely. There's a sweet excitement up there that's it's cool to be a part of. Really cool. And Jeff, you work a real job. I do work a uh, real job. W- sit on our elder team. What is it that you do? Uh, in my real job. In your real job. In my real job. So I'm a software engineer. So working with teams up there doing uh, design and code and requirements and that for military GPS stuff. So that's what I do. Exciting. But I'm more defined by this than that. So. Yeah, and anybody that knows you know that that's true. Like your heart for ministry. I think your email address is like Theo Geek yep. or something like. So <laughs> yes, we're actually going to put that to practice because of the topic <laughs> we're jumping into. Uh, this kind of things that when I say weird, it's it's unfortunate that it's weird because it's real. But we say into the weird because from a lot of people from the outside looking in, 
they're kind of odd topics to think of the Holy Spirit and angels and demons and spiritual warfare. And sadly, we probably don't talk about it enough because it's really prevalent in Scripture. So we're going to not go extensively or long in this, but we want to take kind of a flyover to each of these topics, and today it's uh, the Holy Spirit. So let's just start with the basics. Who is the Holy Spirit? I think it's important that you say who is the Holy Spirit, not what is the Holy Spirit. Uh, identifying the Holy Spirit as a he, a him, he is a part of the, the triune God. He is a part of the Godhead, and he is a personal, uh, a personal being that indwells believers uh, for a variety of different reasons, which I know we'll talk about. But I know that that's been missed in my upbringing, uh, mm. is hearing God the Holy Spirit referred to as an it, and we're quick to say, no, he is a he. Yeah, yeah you kind of feel like there's a default into like kind of Star Wars type thinking when it comes to the Holy Spirit, yeah. like oh, the yeah. force that surrounds us all. Um, That's good. To tap into it, but yeah. not biblical. Correct. Anybody else got anything to add on the person of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, he's a person, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, you can grieve him. You can, uh, mm. you can worship him. You can pray to him. He's God, right? He's perfect. So yeah. So let's jump into the role of the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do functionally? In Any? John John sixteen, uh, he convicts the world of sin and righteousness. Mm. Yeah. Right before that, uh, tail end of John fifteen. Uh, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father will bear witness about me. That's Jesus saying that. So he actually bears witness to Christ, helps us behold Christ. Mm. I think as he's introduced us, he's working at that heart level in us to help us or create that saving miracle where in which we see God and have realize our need for him and our need to get right with him. Yeah. I like talking about him in the way that he... Uh, takes the scales off of our eyes mm -hmm. and regenerates us so that we can actually see the beauty and majesty of Jesus, right? Because we're blind until he does that. Mm -hmm. And then alluding to what you said, too, about sealing till the day um, he comes again, that he will seal and preserve the saints until Jesus Christ comes again or until we see Jesus in another, in another way. I was going to say, I think in a day and age that longs for unity— when you look at Ephesians 4, 3, he says to be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit, mm. that he actually is the one that unifies us. Mm. So one kind of big theological term that gets thrown a lot around a little bit is sanctification. Tell me what sanctification is and what's the role of the Holy Spirit in that? I think an easy definition that was given to me years ago was the ongoing process of looking more and more like Jesus. So that's a good working definition, and that's both convicting of sin and teaching and guiding us in the way of truth. Yeah, and then kind of pause there before we go into the role of the Holy Spirit, just so you guys understand the good news of that. When you become a Christian, um, God takes residency in your life to shape and conform you and develop you over time, um, and maybe some of you are feeling like, I've been a Christian, and I'm not seeing the change that I'm wanting to see, praise God for his patience, but mm -hmm. he's, he's active at work in, in developing us uh, to be more like him. So that's kind of what sanctification is going on. What's the role of the Holy Spirit in that? 
Yeah, as he said, just that convicting power. Like he's the one who's there to, to say or nudge me and say something that something isn't right here. And I think it really separates the religious from the Christian because the Christian has God of the universe in their heart, uh, changing how they think, convicting them of sin, and then equipping them to fight sin. Whereas a religious person is trying to put on all this stuff from the exterior, usually for the sake of other people or trying to work their way into heaven. And it comes from the heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Mm. yeah in John 14, um, Jesus says that he has to send the helper to us. And so the Holy Spirit is with us just like Jesus is with us. And he's helping us and he's teaching us and he's guiding us and guarding our hearts. Right. Mm. That's, so, so how do you how do you differentiate that? Because you said the Holy Spirit is with us like Jesus is with us. And I think that creates confusion. Can you explain yeah. that a little bit? Yeah. So when Jesus in the, you know, the the Great Commission when he says, you know, I will be with you always in until the end of the age and I will never leave you or forsake you is where he's talking in other places, right? That's, you know, he's with us in a special way. Um, his spirit indwells us. Like when you talk about the Holy Spirit, right? Is it the spirit of the Father? Is it the spirit of the Son? Is it God's spirit? Mm-hmm. It's God, right? He's mm-hmm. God. And so he comes and dwells within us and he's the one who works in us to make us more like Jesus. Jesus is here, you know, guarding us in a sense and, and being our salvation. And the Spirit is applying all that work of Christ to our account, and and that's on what like he's a doing. daily, intimate yep. basis. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, um, what what does that mean? What's going on? Well, and I think that's key for Christians to do it. I think some religions have replaced, have looked for works as saving things. And we're, how we look at it is looking at, like, if the God of the universe has moved into you in the form of the Holy Spirit, if God has moved into your soul, he's going to have an impact on you, and that's that fruit that happens. If I plant that apple seed, I'm going to get an ap- apples from an apple tree. And if Not, God my, be, not my apple trees. Well, <laughs> I, I got, like, one apple from three trees. It was crazy. Anyways. The Lord is a better gardener. <laughs> he is, he's a better He is better. But, uh, no, but that... that fruit like it comes out of you it's not that we look for works for the sake of are you are you getting into heaven we look for works as a result of the holy spirit actively in our life mm. yeah, yeah and so, that's where it's important where we i mean we can be fruit inspectors right we can look at people's fruits but we can't judge their heart like we can we can say you say you're a christian where's your fruit but we can't you know we can look at them yeah. and say, yeah, maybe there's an issue that we need to talk about. Sure. Or fruit inspectors, but not fruit producers. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the things in that text in Galatians is there's a contrast between works of the flesh and then the fruit of the mm-hmm. Spirit. Like, yep. we produce bad things. <laughs> God produces good yes. things in us, and yes. it's the work of the Spirit in our life. And I think you pointed out in the Gospel Pathway series last spring. Could you get a plug in there? The... Uh, <laughs> I'm working it every angle. Uh, I think week seven. No, I can't remember which week off the top of my head. But nonetheless, it is fruit of the Spirit. Yeah. And it's it's not fruits of the Spirit. Mm. It's The Spirit is in you, and He's creating and causing all these things to happen in your life. Different paces for the different categories, but something's happening there. It, yeah. it, it will happen. What does um, it mean to be sealed by the Spirit? Yeah, I think of Ephesians 1. It's just, uh, you know, God's mark on you that that protection, that security, like you have been sealed. Uh, your salvation is secure. It's not something you earned. It's not something you can lose, but the spirit is going to finish what he started in you. Yeah. Yeah. I love first Peter, uh, three through five it says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And that's like, that's the Spirit's work. Like mm-hmm. he's, that's the seal. So yeah, amen. And I think it's key. I mean, just seeing the finishing work of the Holy Spirit, he's going to hold you till the day. He started the work. Like he moved in, he regenerated your heart. He's not going to release you or give up on you, you know, after after a while. He's going to seal you, keep so, you. So guys, what are some ways... Um, between each of us, we've been following Christ for um, a handful of years. What are some ways you've personally experienced the Holy Spirit in your life? Yeah, and I think not long ago. I mean, Silas was born uh, January 30th, and day two of life, he was ad- admitted into the NICU, and I had this like overwhelming sense of anxiety of just like, oh, what's going to happen to him? You play out all these scenarios and really felt the spirit beginning to apply scripture that I had memorized years ago to my life from Philippians 4, where uh, Paul charges uh, the people in Philippi to say, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, like think about these things. And the spirit placed that on my heart to say, Jordan, are you thinking about what's true and what's honorable and what's like worthy of praise? And the answer is no. Mm. And so he helped me fix my eyes on Jesus and really begin to apply this text. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think for me, the, we talked about sanctification and how that's a work, kind of a combination of our following him and him working in us. And, and I think uh, you probably talked to Sarah and she would agree that the past couple, three years maybe, um, just the, the way that I've saw, I've seen my failings as a husband and the way that I've, you know, been growing through that by the spirit. I mean, it's all the mm-hmm. spirit's work and that's just been evident in how I treat my wife and how she responds. And it's been, it's been pretty sweet. Yeah. So. I see him at work most just bringing to mind texts he wrote through the men of scripture and for various situations, including my own, just a continuous reminder to hope in God. He won't ever leave me or forsake me. Um, he'll give me the words at the right time and just repetitively showing up in moments where I'll hear my mouth saying things and wonder, I should take notes because I did not, I could not think of this, <laughs> but God's faithful. The spirit mm-hmm. moves and works actively in those ways. Yeah. Sometimes you'll hear people talk about the gifts of the spirit. What, what is that? What do they mean by that? What are the gifts of the spirit? And what's the difference between spiritual gifts and just talent? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Matthew I mean, shrugging like, yeah. we know we're going to ask that question. That's a great way to word that question. It is. Yeah. Because it's interesting because you go to, what is it, like Deuteronomy 4, where he says, call the men who are gifted in like shaping gold mm-hmm. and silver mm-hmm. or in stone. And so it refers to it as a gift. So that kind of throws you off. I think clearly the topic directly goes to 1 Corinthians 14 and this tension of speaking in tongues and miracles and prophecy and how... How does that work? So I think that that goes. So the separation of them as gifts and talents is... Like the sign gifts versus gifts gifts of the Spirit. Yeah. I was going to say, well, a spiritual gift is a gift that glorifies God, but you should actually be using all the gifts that you get to glorify Mm -hmm. God, right? So it's got to be more than just that. It's got to be something that's the Spirit is actually empowering you to do that you couldn't do without Him, Mm. right? Yeah, I most frequently, I mean, 
it's nice they're both 12s. Romans 12, <laughs> 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, that was helpful for me. I don't claim to be the most intelligent guy, but it's yeah, like 12. With 12s. Stick yeah. with 12. Uh, so you see these outlined, whether it's uh, prophecy or service or exhortation or zeal. You get to 1 Corinthians 12, you start talking about um, again, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, gifts of the tongues. So there's a lot of debate around what are the gifts of the Spirit? Are they continued? Are they closed Closed since uh, the canon is closed? But we at least see them talked about in Scripture mm-hmm. and see, you know, be eager to, like, desire the gifts of the Spirit. Yeah. Understanding a gift, I think, in our narcissistic narcissistic culture we can tend to think very much about ourselves like what do i like to do what passions do i have rather than saying what is best for the body what yeah. what can i contribute that edifies other people yeah, that's good um, yeah. so well, where, would I, you, where would you guys sit on the you know people questioning a do i have a gift b how do i use my gift um I've kind of addressed it before as if you don't know that you have a gift, you should figure that out. And if you do have a gift and aren't using it, you're disobedient. Where would you guys fall on that? Fall well, on that yeah, First Corinthians 12, every, everybody has a part to play. Everybody's a part of the body and has purpose and value. Um, I think we can get lost in that, um, what is my gift? And just like, just be a part of the body, yeah. contribute. Because um, gift is something God does in us, the Spirit gives us, and it may be for a season, it may be for a moment, it may be for a lifetime, but it's not for you, it's for the body. So maybe in a moment you've been gifted an encouragement to give some encouragement. That doesn't mean it's like, okay, I have that gift until I die. It's like you have that gift for a season, for a purpose, and the best way to discover that is just get into the body and be a gift. Be a gift to your church, and you will be empowered and equipped for the roles in your church. Well, and I don't think you should separate the things you are good at. Now, again, this might kind of blur that question of what is, uh, you know, like a spiritual gift and, you know, what are you good at? But like, what are you good at? And and understanding, if you, you know, like don't compartmentalize it too. As you get into the body, what do you thrive at? Do you, is it hospitality? Does, does it fall cleanly into that category? Or, or, or what ways do you flow best? And again, I think there's a calling to try to lean into the Holy Spirit on things you seem weak at, but also display it. But that's one of the things that I think we get lost at is, is don't fail to glorify God as you pursue a gift or as you talk about a gift. Like that's, the gift isn't what it's about. It's about God. Yeah, I think sometimes the conversation of gifts can be used as a Christian cop-out too, where it's like, <laughs> I don't, you know, have, I don't have the gift of evangelism. And it's like, wait a uh, second. It's a command. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, thinking about our assault staff, like Kyler totally has the gift of evangelism. And when I see him like on campus, he can be in a gospel conversation in two sentences. But even for the person that maybe doesn't have the gift of evangelism, they're still called to evangelize mm-hmm. and make disciples. So yeah. I just judge people who don't have my gifts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what are your gifts? Judgment. Judgment. <laughs> If somebody asked you that right now, do you think you could give a comp? Like, yeah, I feel like I have not talents, but but gifts. I've recently been thrown off because I retook a personalities test this morning <laughs> that I had taken a while back, and it turned out radically different. No, I think uh, like for myself, I I would say maybe I'm not quite as confident as I maybe should be, even just to re- 
reflect on that a little bit too. But I think hospitality, I remember scoring high on evangelism and kind of prophecy in, in, with the definition of speaking truth boldly. Um, yeah. What, what are yours, Jake? Um, I mean, I think it's taken a long time for me to admit, I think I have a gift of teaching and I don't think it's a talent of teaching, um, because I'm not a talented communicator in mumbling and doing things. But I think over a season of life, I've seen God in his grace use my teaching to impact people. So I feel like, okay, that's different than a talent. I think it's, it's a gifted, um, and you never want to admit that it can seem like arrogant or whatever, but I think over time I've, I've, that's a, I want to glorify God. That's something like if you knew me before ministry and then you knew me now, you would probably laugh that I'm a preacher. Um, so I think that's a testimony to the spirit. Yeah. I was going to say, I would double on that. I remember sophomore year at Iowa state taking an oral communications class and hating public speaking. And I came to know the Lord my junior year and just couldn't help, but want to tell people about Jesus. And, um, yeah, by the, by the gift of the spirit and, um, being obedient to that. I think I've had several people affirm or say, hey, we feel like the Spirit is using you when you teach. So teaching seems to be an area. I think that's a good lesson of like, if you're actively involved in a church and just have a servant's heart, let somebody else help clarify your Mm -hmm. gifts. You don't have to like claim them. Like um, when you are being a gift and you're seeing... Because I think a sign of a gift is effectiveness. Mm. So when, when you think of somebody as the gift of evangelism, like I said, we're all called to evangelize. Somebody who's gifted at it, it just like seems like you seem to be always leading people to Christ. Like you're mm-hmm. just effective in your evangelism. So I think looking for fruit is a sign of the Spirit's power behind that. Okay, what are some controversies around the Holy Spirit or maybe some misunderstandings? I know I can speak especially to young adults um, and maybe just the the emotional wave of, you know, is this a feeling? Is this something that it's like, oh, I'm going to feel tingly all over or I'm going to start instantly weeping or just getting caught up in, oh, if I experience the Holy Spirit, and maybe this is post-Benny Hinn era of like, am I going to get slain in the spirit or catch the Holy ghost? Just Mm -hmm. it's, it's more of an experience than it is an emotional. experience. Yeah. You know, I would say that's how we miss is saying it's more about an emotional experience than a promise given to us in scripture. There is seemed to be people to kind of lean into that because we want to be dependent upon the Holy spirit. And I've heard preachers or worship leaders in excuse of not preparing, just like, I'm just going to rely on the Spirit. I'm like, well, the Spirit's active all week yeah. yep. uh, in your preparation. So I don't know if you're dependent or just lazy. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah I've, heard the, I've heard the, you know, people have said things like, well, we just want this to be Spirit-led. And so, and I'm like, well, what do you mean by Spirit-led? Like, is this not Spirit-led? Yeah. And if it's not, how do you know? And if it is, how do you know? Sure. And then people are just like what you're saying, Jordan, it's more about the this is what I think an experience of the Holy Spirit looks like. And if it's not that, then it's not Spirit-led. Mm. Even though there's truth, even though there's worship, even though there's this, it doesn't look like I want it to. Right. And so it might not be Spirit-led. Sure. I remember questions. learning that too, struggling with as, a, as preaching, trying to prepare, and just like, oh, man, I hope the Holy Spirit shows up on Sunday. But really on Sunday, I was going off the notes that I wrote 
you know, a couple of weeks ago. And that tension of like, well, is he active on Tuesday? <laughs> you know, is he there? Like, could he anoint these no- notes on Tuesday and then be there on Sunday too? You know, and just, just getting so caught up in, you know, is he here now? Right. Is he, is he at his maximum yeah. strength now? Will he show up there? And, and that emotionalism creeps in. Right. And you want to know God's character. And I think that, that was helpful for me because to be open to the Spirit's leading, the Lord directs our steps. Um, we know that's true, but we also know God's character is God of order um, and not chaos. Um, and that's helpful in trying to discern those things. What does it mean to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Or where do you see that confusion in the church? It's actually funny you bring that up. One of my first... Christian education experiences was through an Assemblies of God uh, seminary, and they taught baptism of the Holy Spirit as a second, a second encounter. And so it's like, hey, you come to know Jesus, and then at some point, if you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you speak in tongues. And I was so confused because I'm in a room with like a hundred people, and they're like, all right, if you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit you can start praying now in your prayer language. And I think I was the only guy in there that was like, all I know is English, guys. I'm so sorry. Um, But it led to confusion for me because I'm like, wait a second, do I have the Holy Spirit? Mm. Um, And so there's obviously texts that have made this confusing for people and have made it maybe easier in a sense to twist and launch off of to say this is a second experience, but to say, no, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit is to be saved by God. It's not a second encounter, but it's the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It's almost like our water baptism is the second encounter, right? It's like yeah. You're, you're saved. You've been baptized by the Spirit. Now go be obedient and get baptized. Yeah, that's good. So it can, it can kind of create the second-class Christian. Like there's, there's Christians, and then there's Holy Spirit Christians. But yeah. if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. Yes. So what does Holy. it mean to be filled by the Spirit? And is that something we should pray for? Should we pray for the filling of the Spirit? Absolutely. Yeah, Ephesians says, do not be drunk with wine, but uh, essentially be drunk with, be filled with yeah. the Spirit. And it's this continuous, like the verb tense is like, be being filled with the Spirit. It's an ongoing process. Yeah. So something we should long for. All the time. All the time. Yeah. I look at it like abiding, right? Like we, we're called to abide. Jesus never leaves you but you can feel distant and far from him if you're not following with him or not being in lockstep with him. Yeah. I think of that like being filled with the Spirit the same way. Yeah. Often in our camp, I think the Holy Spirit can kind of be the forgotten God, and he's essential in our Christian life. We, we can tend to think Father, Son, Holy Bible, hmm. and we do have a high view of the Scriptures. We should, but not at the neglect of the Spirit. So we're called to... Um, walk by the Spirit, to keep in step by the Spirit. So just in kind of landing the plane here, what's practical counsel you would give our people in engaging with the Holy Spirit as a Christian? I mean, John, Jesus calls him the helper, so reach out to him for help. Like, if you need help, pray for help. You can pray to him. He's God. I mean, pray to the Spirit to give you help and, and listen to how he's talking to you. Yeah. I I don't remember who had initially given me this advice, but they had said, you know, you get to the end of the day, for you to pray, like, God, by the power of your spirit, 
show me my day and show me where I was sinning, whether it's in action or in thought. And it's almost like just inviting the Holy Spirit to test your heart and to show you what doesn't align and to fix your eyes back on Jesus. Um, but I do think uh, it was Dane Ortland and Deeper had said, on one hand, we can forget about the Spirit, but on another hand, we can just focus so much on the Holy Spirit. And he uses this analogy of if a husband is trying to see his wife as beautiful, he doesn't think about his brain. He looks at his wife. And he uses his brain to look at his wife, but he's not looking at his brain and saying, help my wife become more beautiful. He's like, no, I want to look at my wife and see her as beautiful. And my brain is helping me do that. So I think there's something to be said of we should be fixing our eyes on Jesus and the Holy Spirit is helping us fix our eyes on Jesus. So maybe more of a tension to manage of how can we pray, God, by the power of your spirit, help me see Jesus more beautifully, but not overcorrecting to the point where we're so focused on the spirit, if that makes sense. That's good. I, yeah, that steals my thunder. But I was going to go to Romans chapter 8, verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So again, in reference to Christ or the spirit dwelling in you and just responding to that. I mean, when you have a conviction, I'm, I'm doing something wrong, like not asking yourself, like, how do I get out of trouble? But like, where is my heart at? And what is the spirit trying to tell me? And then go to the scriptures, go to community, go to pastors and ask, like, why, why am I being convicted of this? And why is this on my heart? You know, do a, not a gut check, but do a soul check to see why the spirit is at work practically daily. Yeah. And just believing the truth that we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, I would say, be attentive um, mm. the spirit in you will convict and comfort and guide and lead. Um, but oftentimes we don't slow down to listen, to get into the word and to commune with God, um, for that guidance. We just kind of go about our day. Well, one thing you mentioned about getting into the word, if you're scared to get into the word, I would just challenge you to get into the word and see how the spirit does work. Yeah. Certainly you might not grasp every Bible verse you read and it's not going to flow great the first time he can't help you and go and check it out. Just yeah. see if he'll do something for sure. All right, guys. Uh, we hope this is helpful. It's essential to our Christian walk that we want to be a church. We want to be a people who do walk by the spirit. Uh, we love you and I uh, hope you enjoy this series. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Veritas Equipping Podcast. If you have any questions you would like us to address or ideas on how we can serve you better, please reach out to us by email at info at veritascr.church and put podcast in the subject line.